welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and reliable dog geyser person, Noelle LaCroix. <laughs> and I'm story expert and blood-sucking fiend, look at my outfit, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Doppelgangland, the 16th episode of season three. Double Gangland aired on February 23rd, 1999. It was written by Joss Whedon with Jane Espenson as executive story editor and Doug Petrie as story editor and directed by Joss Whedon. All right. As you all should know by now, Still Pretty is completely spoiled. We are going to talk about everything in the run of Buffy. We're going to talk about, you know, very possibly a lot of what happens in Angel the series. Uh, we don't usually hit on the comics because we haven't read them all, but you never know. So what I'm saying is if you have not already partaken in all that Buffy has to offer, you may want to go ahead and do that. At least finish out watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer series and then come on back because our discussion is going to be rich and layered and full of everything. I'm 1120 years old. Just give me a freaking beer. Fine. Give me a Coke. Let's go on patrol. In Doppelgangland, a teenage and human Anya, former vengeance demon Anyanka, meets with the demon Dehofren and begs for her power center back. He is unsympathetic to her plight. I won't fail again. Your time has passed. Do you have any idea how boring 12th graders are? I'm getting my power center back. And if you won't help me, then by the pestilent gods, I will find someone who will. At school, Willow is working on her magic by floating a pencil, but as Buffy starts talking about faith, her emotional control goes wild and she buries the pencil in a tree. Meanwhile, Faith is pretending to be a repentant slayer, but in a private meeting with the mayor at the swank new apartment he set her up in, he says he's going to have her little friends killed. But she shouldn't worry. He wouldn't dream of making her do it. Meanwhile, at school, Snyder calls Willow into his office and demands that she help a jock named Percy with his homework. And by help, he means do it for him. She bumps into Oz, who tells her he had a gig and she wants to know why she wasn't invited. Oz says he figured she wouldn't want to skip school. Later, when Buffy calls Willow old reliable, Willow maybe overreacts a bit. Maybe I'll change my look or cut class. You don't know. And I'm eating this banana. Lunchtime be damned. On the stairs at school, Anya approaches Willow about doing a spell. Nothing big, just a teensy, tiny little temporal fold. No big deal. Willow is so glad to have someone coming to her about the dark arts that she immediately agrees. That night, they set up the spell, and as they do, Willow flashes on the alternate dystopia of the wish, where she sees herself and Xander as vampires. Willow backs away and refuses to be part of it anymore. In frustration, Anya breaks the dish with the image of her necklace painted on it, and in a warehouse, vampire Willow appears, alone on the floor. This is weird. Vampire Willow finds her way to the bronze, where Percy thinks she's human Willow. Vampire Willow complains that she's having a terrible night. She grabs him and tosses him across the room, then picks him up by the neck. Xander comes in and pushes Percy away from Willow, not recognizing that she was the aggressor in that situation. Vampire Willow is happy to see that Xander is still alive and hugs him intimately. Then she discovers that he's alive alive and everything is wrong. Buffy comes in and both she and Xander try to be supportive about their friend's new black leather look. But when Vampire Willow gets mad and walks away and Buffy goes after her, Vampire Willow shows her vamp face, devastating both of them. Vampire Willow then goes out into the night where two of the mayor's vamp goons try to take her out. 
and get a surprise when she overtakes them both. Who do you work for? Wilkins, the mayor. Who do you work for? You. In the library, Buffy, Xander, and Giles are devastated as they contemplate Willow's death. When human Willow comes in wearing her pink fuzzy sweater, they all hug her and tell her that there's a vampire version of her out there. At the bronze, Anya's trying to get a beer, but she doesn't have an ID to verify that she's 1120 years old, so fine, it's a Coke. Oz is setting up for a gig when Angel shows up looking for Buffy. At that moment, Vamp Willow's new gang shows up ready to take over the bronze. Oz sends Angel to get Buffy and then tries to talk to Willow. When everyone is good and confused, Anya steps in to clear things up. He thinks you're someone else. He thinks you're the Willow that belongs in this reality. Another me? You know this isn't your world, right? I mean, you know you don't belong here. No. This is a dumb world. In my world, there are people in chains and we can ride them like ponies. You want to get back there? Yeah. So do I. At the school, Angel shows up to give everyone the bad news about Willow, then sees Willow, and we go around that mulberry bush again. They rush out to deal with the vamps at the bronze, but Willow has an idea and decides to hang back and catch up later. In the library alone, Vampire Willow grabs Human Willow and says she wants her to perform the spell to put her back into her reality. Vampire Willow hits on her, and when Human Willow isn't into it, she tosses her behind the library desk, where Human Willow grabs the trank gun and shoots Vampire Willow in the stomach. Bitch. The Scoobies come back and put a knocked out Vampire Willow into the library cage. They dress Human Willow up as Vampire Willow to go back to the bronze and try to save the day. She goes into the bronze and fakes her way as best she can, sending her goons out one by one to be taken out by the Scoobies. Human Willow claims she killed Human Willow, but Anya is suspicious. Back at the library, Vampire Willow wakes up in Human Willow's clothes when Cordelia comes in looking for books, or, you know, Wesley. Vampire Willow tries to get her to open the cage and let her out. Cordelia, however, takes the opportunity to lecture Willow on her affair with Xander. Meanwhile, at the bronze, Anya is on to the plan. Maybe we should let everyone go and give them a 30-second head start. Wait a minute. No, I like my plan. Oh, nice try. Okay, let's get to the killing. Why don't we start with her? At the school, Cordy lets Vampire Willow out, and Vampire Willow chases her until Wesley finds her, pulls out a stake, and Vampire Willow runs off to the bronze, where she blows Human Willow's cover. Buffy and Angel take out the vamps, and Oz tries to get Human Willow to safety, but Vampire Willow comes after Human Willow. As Vampire Willow is strangling Human Willow, Buffy is about to stake Vamp Willow when Human Willow screams for her to stop. They take Vampire Willow back to the warehouse where she appeared in the first place. They set up the spell, but Buffy has reservations. She's not sure about sending a demon into another world. Willow says it's Vampire Willow's world, and she should have a shot at life there. They send her back. Vampire Willow reappears in the warehouse fight from the wish, and Oz immediately pushes her into a shard of wood, dusting her. Okay, so, oh my god, doppelgangland. And here's the problem that I have with with most of season three. 
<laughs> is that I watch an episode like, say, Band Candy or The Wish, and I'm like, this is my favorite episode. It's absolutely my favorite episode. And then I watch something like Doppelgangland. I'm like, no, this is my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. I I cannot even describe what a delight from start to finish Doppelgangland is for me. And I'm hoping that you feel the same way, because otherwise it's going to be a very boring episode for you to sit oh. through. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh I know I said Band Candy was possibly my favorite episode of Buffy, full stop. Uh, It might might actually be Doppelgangland. I don't know. Uh, Doppelgangland might just be it. It might be. It's really, really, really good. Really, really good. Y'all know at this point how I feel about Allison Hannigan and her acting (sighs) chops. This is, I mean, this might just be the Allison Hannigan Appreciation Podcast. um, Oh, yeah. Because... Holy fucking shit. I mean, come on. I mean, she gives. Okay. 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 Just like, I'm like, get it together, LaCroix. Like, let's do this thing. Um, Right. She gives effectively four performances Mm -hmm. in this, right? Because she has to be Willow, as we Mm -hmm. know and love her, vampire Willow. Mm-hmm. Willow pretending really poorly to be Vampire Willow and Vampire Willow <laughs> pretending to be Human Willow. It's oh so Oh my god, I know it is so, so amazing. Adorable. And she's so It's great. so good. She's so great in all of it. She's so recognizable too. Like it mm-hmm. it is clear that there's more going on than just hair, makeup, and costume. Like, it's a different physicality for both characters. And it's different. Oh, my God. It's so, it's so, so good. So good. And she also gets most, if not all, of the good lines. There are so many good lines in this episode. Mm -hmm. We could just do clips of the episode but that would be the entire still pretty i was i know when i was trying to pick the clips for the summary i was like how do i even because if i pick all of the good clips it's just basically playing the episode you know right Right. (laughs) which i believe is illegal so i wouldn't want to do that but Yeah. yeah it's just it's so incredibly great and there's so much fantastic stuff from her in this and there are so many lines i mean that look like good lines on paper mm-hmm. but the performance that she brings to them yes is just wonderful um i love <laughs> i so love when she's storming away from anya and the spell and she says i believe these chicken feet are feet mine, are mine. <laughs> <laughs> did you try looking inside the sofa in, in hell, hell? <laughs> so excellent so so excellent oh i know and when she walks into the library and says geez who died and then oh god oh, who god, died <laughs> it's so great and i love that moment so so much because it's like even though we know that it's okay and so it's kind of played for humor they think that she's dead like yes. it's so sad and we see them and I love this whole thing with Giles. She truly was the best of us. Sandra's <laughs> like way better than me. And so I was like, much, much better. Yes. <laughs> it is such one. And then when they go and they hug her and she's so shocked and then she looks at Giles and like, Giles, what is wrong with these guys? And then he rushes in and gives her this huge hug. And I love seeing that from Giles. It's just I the whole thing is so, so great. It's just amazing. 
It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not the story expert here, but I love that that moment where she says, say, y'all didn't have to do a bunch of drugs, did you? <laughs> like, <laughs> that is exactly literally the halfway point of the episode. I mean, right. damn. Yeah. Like when they're yeah. having that that interaction and like realizing, oh, wait, something mm-hmm. weird is going on here. Literal halfway point. I'm like, she, like you could... I feel like every single scene, every single moment in this mm-hmm. episode does something to Oh, absolutely. Advance, it does. And I mean, like it's it's amazing. all about Willow and her identity crisis, right? It opens up in the beginning with her being old reliable and she's like sick of being, you know, walked all over with that. And then we have Anya who appeals to this idea that, you know, Willow could have a dark powerful side. And then she realizes she's being used for this like incredibly dark thing that she is not into, you know? Yeah. Um yeah, it's all Which is so, so cute. Great. It's so cute because she wanted to do something dangerous. You know, she mm-hmm. says is it dangerous? And Anya lies and says no. Yeah, but then it like super is, is. kind of big she's, deal. And then yeah. she doesn't want. She doesn't really want to be dangerous, but she kind of doesn't want to be Willow anymore. And um, and I mean, it's so great because then, of course, when Xander and Buffy see her in the bronze and she's wearing the leather outfit and she's all different, and they're like, "Okay, like I get that you wanted to do something <laughs> different, but this might be over the top." And oh god, the moment when Vampire Willow vamps her face at them and then walks away because she's so depressed. And I love depressed Vampire Willow. Oh my god. This isn't my world. I don't like it. In my world, you can ride humans like ponies. (laughs) I love Vampire Willow. I I love her. I love her. I love her. She is so sad. She's so sad. She just, she's you know, I'm having a terrible night. Like she, she just wants to go home. I know. And I mean, depressed vampire is kind of fun, especially playing in this context, you know, where she's yes. just like, and then when she takes out the mayor's goons, like, <laughs> who do you work for? Crack. Crack. <laughs> it is so fantastic and the way that they play it like it is it is beautifully structured we're beautifully building this all up you know but it's also laying on top of a story that's essentially about willow's understanding of herself and who she Mm -hmm. is and her acceptance of of everything that she is you know um it's just there's so many layers of of fun identity story in this and then seeing that play out in these two, you know, dual identities of, of yeah. Willow. Um, it's, oh, God, it's so great. Well, what I love is at the beginning when Buffy and Willow are talking, Buffy says, mm-hmm. you know, they're talking about faith. And Buffy yes. says that, you know, under different circumstances, that could have been me, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like she says, yeah. you know, I could have ended up like faith. And Willow kind of naively says no. Like that, not possible. Some people just don't have that in them, right. that mm-hmm. kind of darkness. And then, of course, we see this dark version of Willow. Yeah, that she has to integrate by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. And that's what I love so much about this particular narrative about Willow's. Yeah. You know, Willow's own identity. Obviously, she's mm-hmm. talking about Buffy, but there's clearly some unexamined. Um, parts of herself here, you know, starting with this toughness. Yeah. Vampire Willow takes no shit from anybody. And of course, Willow. Vampire Willow takes no shit. Yeah. Willow, human Willow, 
does everything for everybody. I mean, she says mm-hmm. yes to everything. She feels like she doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, the the twist at the end is that what Vampire Willow did to Percy at the bronze was exactly what he needed in order to, you know, remove exactly. his ass hat from his head and actually exactly. and do at his... the end, yeah. we get a nice result from that. <laughs> It's I mean, and a good result right. for him. He's doing his own work. He's learning. He brings an apple for the teacher. I mean, these are all, this is a good growth episode for Percy. Yes. Well, and I love. Sometimes people need to be, you know, need to be thrown across a room. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to throw someone over a pool table. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, I love the detail that it's President Roosevelt that his report <laughs> is on. And of course, there are two Roosevelts. So. <laughs> You know, he does both because that's great. But of course, we're in this world of doubles. Yes. So of course, yes. yeah, of course, for Doppelgangland, we would have exactly. a report. You've got to have on President Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so Willow's unexamined parts of herself, yes. shall we? Oh sure. Oh man. So they're dragging, they're dragging an unconscious vampire Willow into the library cage, and the oft-quoted line, or at least oft-quoted in my life, line. Yes. That's me as a vampire. <laughs> I'm so evil and skanky, and I think I'm kind of gay. Right. All right. Okay. Cool. Let's let's chat a little bit about internalized homophobia (laughs) shall we i mean because that's that is what i get from this Mm -hmm. line i mean as somebody as somebody who still has like a fair chunk of internalized homophobia that i'm working Mm -hmm. to unpack like i really see that there of of grouping you know grouping kind of (laughs) gay in with Mm -hmm. Evil and skanky. I mean, here we yeah. go again, right? Pairing mm-hmm. queerness with demonness. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And lots of neck licking, which is our stand in for lesbian sex sure. until we get an accurate representation. Now, I will give the show credit for giving us an accurate representation of lesbian sex later in the show, which is, of course, holding hands and moving a vending machine with your mind. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Hand-holding, vending machines, very important. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, you know, so so evil and skanky. Yes. I mean, we got slut-shaming in there, too, because, you know, the patriarchy Absolutely. likes to get in everywhere. Kind of gay as this this demon willow, but yeah. she's a sympathetic demon. Like, she's uh-huh. not an evil, mustache-twirling demon. She's so she is she, so sad, but she's also like you know killing people. Like she kills that girl yeah, at the bronze. Yeah, she's, yeah. You but, know. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So I, killed- I wouldn't call her exactly sympathetic. I, I would say she is sympathetic in that we can identify with her feeling out of place in the world that she's in. Totally. You know, we can identify with her sadness. You know, she's lost Xander, who is kind of her partner in evil. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and this world isn't the same as her world. It's not world fun. Is dumb. Exactly. It's not fun. It's not fun for her. So, like, you kind of sympathize with that. But she is still evil because she's a demon, 
you know, but she's also powerful and assertive, which is something that Willow is. Willow is powerful and she mm-hmm. can be assertive, but she also really puts herself in the position of, of, again, serving everybody else, doing what everybody else wants. She doesn't argue. She doesn't give them a hard time. She doesn't stand up for herself. So everything that Vampire Willow is coded as, and we do, of course, bring in the the bad connotations and then associate them with kind of gay mm-hmm. right instead of powerful in charge of her sexuality and kind of gay uh, <laughs> we get evil skanky and kind of gay so we do yeah. have this you know this association with it and granted that's what makes i mean it, it okay there are terrible <laughs> jokes that give bad messages but are also well constructed. And so totally. like, I have to acknowledge like the, the construction of the joke is good. Like, you know, well, um, the, yes. the message that it sends, the associations are not good. Well, um, I, but I like know. it. I really like it as an expression of internalized of homophobia. That Willow, Willow herself yeah. is pairing because, you know, we will we will discover as we move through Buffy the Vampire Slayer that mm-hmm. Willow is a queer woman. And, yes. you know, grappling with that you know, that may be something that she's not comfortable acknowledging Acknowledging. at this point. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, any sort of desire in that way gets lumped in with this, you know, this sexy demon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she is, she is a sexy demon. I mean, female coded monsters usually are like, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, how many, how many female video game bosses are there who are like, bugs or robots that like inexplicably have giant breasts Mm -hmm. because yes whatever um (laughs) you know we do this with female monsters like Mm -hmm. because because female sexuality is dangerous everybody um but i love i love the way they they make this vamp willow sexy i mean she's not Mm -hmm. all of the skin exposed all of everywhere she has this kind of animal quality with the way she moves her head like she's Mm -hmm. listening with her teeth it's really really amazing and the close-up on vampire willow's vamp face after she Mm -hmm. licks sandy's neck and you know she eats this poor girl at the bronze you know she's not she's not a saintly (laughs) vampire by any means but this is the most beautiful vampire makeup i think we've ever seen on any cast member oh yeah no Uh, vamps have ever looked that beautiful even sexy like angel doesn't great. look no like he, even angel doesn't look this good in vamp face i mean yeah yeah no i mean it's it's really crazy but you know going back to that moment though and speaking of angel right so mm-hmm. we have that moment where she says you know evil skanky and kind of gay right we're having mm-hmm. that realization and then buffy of course says well you know don't worry about that willow because of course like she's trying to make her feel better and comfort yeah her. vampire you know, the, no the relation to the person yeah different. and then we have angel say well actually you know, um, and there's this moment and he's like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like he does not even. But we have that like textual acknowledgement that that what is in Vampire Willow is also in Human Willow. Yep. You know, yep. And, and that hint of that. And I, I really kind of love that moment where we're we're letting that just sit there. Yep. You know, we're not really addressing it too much, but it is in the text that what you are when you are human is definitely part of who you are as a vampire as well. I love Angel about to vamp splain in that moment. 
Yeah. I mean, he literally says, well, actually, and then well, right, realizes. Well, he is the vampire. You know, like, so yeah. it's okay. Oh, of like, course. If, was, if it was a human explaining vampires to a vampire, then that would be one thing. But it's totally. a vampire explaining vampires to humans, so it's okay. But it is funny to have the, well, actually, yeah. Are you trying to tell me this is not vamp-splaining? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I do. I love, but I love the way he realizes. Yes, it's a it's a great angel moment because he realizes after he said, "Well, actually, that this is not helpful to the situation this at is hand." Not something we need to talk about right now. Yeah, exactly. and then he backs up Buffy. And he says, "This is a good point." Right. Just, good point. Good point. Um, but it's it's this lovely. It, it's just such a it's it's such a lovely idea about willow having to face her own darkness her own dark side which we will see much more as we move through you know all of all of willow but Mm. what i love is that by the end of the episode you know of course of course willow won't let buffy stake vamp willow even when vamp willow is attacking her is trying to kill her right which Mm -hmm. is a fascinating moment and then they're talking about it and Buffy calls Vamp Willow this thing and Mm -hmm. it but Willow says I just can't kill her right which I love she says Mm -hmm. I know she's not me we have a big nothing in common but still Uh like she's just on the edge of like seeing the connection that she has with this vampire who she's gonna give the the dignity, you know, of yeah. going back to her own world. And I love that. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's also that she's she's maybe not going to acknowledge that part of herself yet, but mm-hmm. she's also not going to smother it. Yeah. You know, she's also not going to kill it. She's going to allow it to exist in its own space, you know, until she's ready to deal with it. Right. And then, you know, it's funny because she, you know, then, of course, they send Vamp Willow back and immediately Oz stakes her. Yeah. You know, and she, oh, fuck. and then she goes, you know, oh, oh, it's so, it's so great and yeah. appropriate and yet sad because she goes back into the wish verse, which is this incredibly sad space in which Buffy's duality is also expressed where she's talking earlier about how, you know, uh, she could be faith, but for, you know, yeah. uh, before these, these few quirks of fate, you know, I could be faith. And then right. um, Willow's like, no, you couldn't. But we actually see that in the wish verse, yeah. she is faith. Absolutely. She's certainly closer to Faith than she is to the Buffy that we're used to seeing. Yeah. No, absolutely. There's something so beautiful to me about Willow hugging her vampire self. Yeah. I think the symbology of that, of like literally embracing her darkness. Yes. Gives me Mm -hmm. a lot of feelings, especially when that darkness is paired with queerness. Yeah. And what that means for her in that moment. But Mm -hmm. then... Interestingly, of course, because Vampire Willow is coded as queer, yeah. when she's sent back, immediately she's staked by Oz, who in our mm-hmm. true reality is Willow's partner at yeah. this point. So, I mean, this is the this is a very this is a very symbolic um by erasure on the part Uh of the show in that we're showing Oz Willow's current sweetheart as defining her sexuality because he, in the wish verse, he is the one who removes this queer Willow from the picture. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? 
Willow, Willow embraces her queerness, but then Oz yes. is the one who stakes the queerness. So because we've been so deeply with Willow this whole time, I want to say that that is an act of self erasure that mm-hmm. she's letting mm-hmm. her relationship with Oz erase the part of her that is queer. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting. And I'm not, you know, and I say that without judgment, you know, right. I, judge, well, I, mean, I judge the show for mm-hmm. its history of bisexual erasure. And we will mm-hmm. talk about that yes. more and we'll more as we get go to that. through. Mm-hmm. But I think but something I really love about this queer subtext here with Willow is that she's this is clearly something that is a part of her that she's not really ready to grapple yeah. with yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's like very, very real. Um, and I would I would love to hear from our queer chipperish community on how that resonates with them, if it resonates with them at all. Because well, it's it's really interesting yeah. because um, in the wish verse, right in that story, the way that it was, you know, we do see that there is a, a real bisexuality to Willow in that wish verse. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're not having the battle because that's the only Willow we get there. Right. Um, right. And then, of course, it is Oz that ends up killing her, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is heartbreaking because in our world, he loves her. And in this world. They don't even know each other. Exactly. Um, So, I mean, that is a a really poignant moment in the context of the wish verse. But Mm -hmm. when you bring that in and you just have so brilliantly laid this out, I've never seen that before. And I absolutely love because I think that you really are pulling something from the text that may not be intentional, but given everything else all of the other again the raindrop rainstorm thing right Mm -hmm. you know like one particular instance doesn't necessarily mean that but the fact that this happens over and over and over again right you know and we end up of course erasing um willow's bisexuality and the fact that she you know like if a bisexual woman is in love with a man you know, it doesn't make oh, her any God. less bisexual. You and know, this is she's something still that we're that. still grappling with. Like, yeah. you know how sometimes sometimes we'll watch the show and we'll look at the sociopolitical issues that they're dealing with and we'll go, oh, well, this would not happen today because we've yeah. moved past that or we have different, you know, we have new and different language for dealing with mm-hmm. this idea. This is still an issue um, in the queer community and in media this idea that if a bisexual person that that who you are with like who you are partnered to determines your sexual orientation which is ridiculous because does that mean that anyone who is not partnered or has never had a sexual experience is asexual right that's not how that's not how human sexuality works but it is something that we still see unfortunately, a lot of um, in the media and in the world. Right. Well, and I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I may be, this is just kind of like a, a, an impression that I have, that a woman who is bisexual, but with a man, I think is viewed as straight, but, you know, with a fun side, right? You know, like that she's she's with a man and the man now defines her sexuality, right? Because it is the being with a man that defines her, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you have a man who's with a woman, but he's been with other men, he is always bisexual. 
Like, I don't think that it works the same way. Oh, I think the fact there's... that he has ever been with a man makes him bisexual always. Is that true or is that just my impression? That is definitely... I mean, that's a representation. I mean, not that it's actually true, but... That is, that is how many people um, think of bisexuality absolutely mm-hmm. because of the patriarchy yes. because men have all the power so if you've ever had sex with a man that, that is what defines, defines you. your sexuality yes. mm-hmm. so if you you know if you are a woman who has had sex with one man and 30 women yeah you still have had sex with that man and that exactly you know is that somehow needs to come into play in this conversation that is really nobody's business um yeah. mm-hmm. So it's, but yeah, I mean, bise- and the erasure of bisexual male, mm-hmm. represent masculine bisexual folks is probably among, I don't know, I cannot think of a fictional depiction of a bisexual male character. Oh, then you haven't seen Roswell, Twitter. New Mexico. <laughs> no, I haven't. So It's but, pretty good. Yeah. At me on Twitter, people like like yeah. bisexual men just don't mm-hmm. don't exist, and of course, bisexual right. women exist for the gratification of for the gratification the male of gaze. And right, because now it's I'm angry. Great. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's move back. Let's move into something that is going to Speaking make you delighted again. Make you delighted again. Let's talk a little bit about faith, because oh my it's... God, faith and the mayor. Faith Everyone's... is in one scene. Oh, but it's heartbreaking and wonderful. And it's so good. Oh, my, oh my God, God. That but, scene I mean, of seeing her being taken mayor. care of. He brings her into an apartment. He gives her the basic things that she needs. Right. He gives her a PlayStation. He does all of this for her. And in the moment where she calls him, you know, like sugar daddy. Right. And mm-hmm. plays that sexual card with him. He says, no. He says, I'm not going to take that from you. You know, <laughs> that isn't what this is about. I'm sorry. I'm giggling because I love what he says. He says, yes. now, Faith, I don't find that sort of thing amusing. I'm a family man. Right. He's a family. The mayor doesn't have a family. Like, well, what? He did but, at one point. I mean, like, yeah. He he's... ate them? Like, what? I don't. <laughs> right. But I mean, the thing is, though, that like, I love that he is giving all of this to her. He is setting the boundaries that he is not asking her for anything aside from, you know, killing people when he wants them killed. But aside from that, aside from that very business, uh, like, you know, association, he is giving her a home. He is giving her a family. He is giving her a father's love. And when she tries to make her sexuality transactional within that space, he rejects that from her out of love for her. And I know He's evil and terrible, and there's all sorts of terrible stuff also going on here. Um, But there is something about the way that he loves her, which is not transactional, and specifically not sexually transactional, you know? Yeah. Um, That I absolutely love about this relationship. And seeing someone take care of faith and give faith love and give faith community, I, you know, I know they're both evil. I know they're doing bad things, but I love this. It warms my heart. It's so incredibly sweet. And she is allowed to be a child. We have to remember, Faith is 17 years old. 
right? She is a child and yet she has been living as an adult woman. And here he is doing the impossible. He is giving her childhood back to her. And in this episode about duality, here we have this duality in faith. Yep. I love the scene of Mare oh, and Faith so, so much, so much. It's I love so it, you know, and not just because of his affect. He's so, he's so funny with his like, you know, like defining himself as a family man. I just really yes. appreciate that. Like, you yeah. know, and, but he's very clear, like, you know, yeah. he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be her daddy, but he does want to be her yeah. daddy in a, right. in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And I love, you know, I love the way physical Faith has to touch yeah. Everything. I love the way she touches everything. She strokes the chaise lounge. She kind of hits the yes. pillow. She touches the lamp. She handles the yes. punching bag. She jumps on yes. the bed. And then she snuggles up to the mayor. And that's when he's mm-hmm. like, no, no, this is not, this is not that. Mm-hmm. Um, some lucky girl has herself a PlayStation. Uh-huh. And for Faith, play yes. is a luxury. She yes. has never gotten to play. And that is just uh-huh. so heartbreaking. It is, but it's it's so lovely. It is lovely to see her getting all of this that that you wanted for her, you know? Yeah. And like yeah. all of this good, wonderful, wholesome stuff, this this love that is genuine. You know, she can only have it in the context of doing evil, you know, but like that she has it is this wonderful thing. And I I love the way that they have given us this this wonderful, warm, wholesome, loving relationship within the context of the bad guy, the villain, the evil, you know, um, it's so wonderful and crunchy and it goes together so beautifully. I, I love everything about this. Yeah, we get goodness in our villains and we get evil in our in our heroes a little bit. I know. It's great. I, I mean, do. I love, I love it. Yeah. I love a delightful villain. I love a villain that you can root for. Yes. Um, and the mayor, I mean, for me, really is that character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm Absolutely. just so glad to see him whenever he shows up because it's so fun to watch him do his mayor thing. I know. He's so he's, wonderful. He's great. He's so wonderful. Well, you know who else is great, though? Cordelia. Hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cordelia. For the few moments... That she's in, I mean, okay, there's a little bit of grossness. She comes in, dressed for a cocktail party, yeah, looking like a woman in her mid-40s, you know, who's going out <laughs> for the night, and looking clearly for Wesley. She's like, I have these books, but is Wesley here? You know, so I mean, that's gross. Wesley God. saves her from vampire. That's all gross. But here is Cordelia. Coming in, she sees who she believes to be, you know, human Willow in her fuzzy pink sweater, locked up in the book cage. And here she is tormenting this killer killer vampire, right? With these, let's talk about the ethics of boyfriend stealing for a bit, shall we? And she gets (laughs) out everything that she needs to say. She expresses herself, you know. Um, and I mean, I absolutely love that whole thing. I think it's great Cordelia. There's such a great directorial choice there, too, because mm-hmm. she walks up to the cage and she's talking to Willow. And then the next time we see her, she has pulled up a chair. Yep. She has made herself a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. They have like, like, it's so great. She has set up like, yes, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, you know, 
time-wise, it doesn't really line up, but I don't even care. because I, I don't even care. The rest of this care. is so perfect that, like, I am it's, not going to nitpick on these things. It is it's so, so great. so great. But, I mean, not to sound like everyone's mom, but where the hell is Cordelia going dressed like that? I don't like, even know. Like, I don't what? She's, I mean, like, clearly, I think that she got dressed up trying to look older because she likes Wesley, you know? And then, of course, we have all this grossness where she lets Vampire Willow out, Vampire Willow attacks her, Wesley rescues her, they're in the bathroom together, there's all this weird awkwardness, it is terrible, because, again, the same thing, the Wesley and Cordelia romantic relationship is incredibly gross, that it is reciprocated at all by Wesley is incredibly gross. That she's got a crush on him again, that's fine, you know. Um, but it is incredibly gross and unwatcher-like, I have to say. Um, <laughs> but if, if we want watchers, I guess we can, you know, go to this little message that we have once again from the Watchers Council. Ah, it's you again. And it's me. And here we are once again to talk about Shippers Media, which makes all the podcasts you love about Star Wars, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Angel the Series, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Explosive Inspiration, How Stories Work. I am sure there are more, but honestly, I can't be asked to remember them all. Go to patreon.com slash chippers to keep them all free and ad-free and coming your way because, well, you, because you like that sort of thing, I guess. And, uh, well, I realize that in all this time I have been remiss and I haven't properly introduced myself to you all. My name is Clive Fletcher, and I'm a watcher. I would tell you where I'm from, but I'm not allowed. I would tell you where the Watcher's Council is located, but I'm not allowed. I can, however, tell you that I very much enjoy the spelt loaf at the old post office bakery in London. Just an odd detail, no significance whatsoever. But if one were to go there and ask Graham for a spelt loaf for Clive, well, it's excellent for anyone with a wheat intolerance. Just a little bit of London trivia for any potential tourists. That's Butloaf. It's rather excellent, actually. Patreon.com slash chipperish. Go on. Give it a visit. All right, so back from our watchers council and thank you so much to Clive who's been giving us these wonderful messages um I want to talk a little bit about Anya because Anya is amazing and I love her and this Anya this very particular Anya this I'm 1120 years old give me a freaking beer like that oh Anya um so the I will find my power center with or without you demon guy who is the Hoffren right um I love everything about Anya in this episode and she's so smart and she's so on it and she's serious and she's not anybody's freaking comedy mule, which is what we end up doing with Anya because, and I get it, Emma Caulfield's comic timing is possibly, possibly the best of anybody in the world. She is, her comic timing is so precise it is unbelievable. Um, so I understand why they used her for a lot of the humor. Uh, but through the run, you know, basically after this through to season seven, you know, or, or mid season six, when she and Xander break up, as soon as she gets together with Xander, her life is everything is about Xander. Um, you know, she is all about this. It's either money or Xander that she loves and that's it. You yeah. know, she's very literal. It's all this stuff. Um, we really underserve that character because this 
character has an edge. This character is really smart. And something about her being with Xander flattens her out completely. And of course, brings out the absolute worst in Xander. Um, this relationship doesn't do any yeah. of those characters any favors. You know, either no, of those characters and that's, any favors. I mean, true to life. How many extraordinary women <laughs> do you know who are married to subpar dudes? And you're like, that guy? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens. <laughs> it does. It happens. Yeah. 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 But, but no, um, I, yeah, it's lovely to see Anya being badass and hilarious yeah. and totally yeah. on to Willow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally no, on to her. It. I love it. She's got a plan. She pulls Willow in. When that doesn't work, she pulls Vampire Willow in. She's running this whole show. She yep. knows exactly what's going on. Um, everything about Anya is wonderful. And the only thing about this episode that makes me sad is knowing what's going to happen to Anya in the future is knowing that like what we're going to do to her character. And I mean, the thing is that she's delightful and funny. You know, I love Emma Caulfield. Her performance is amazing. And we do have moments where Anya is, is really, really great, but we take away this, um, this understanding of the world, you know, this uh, kind of edginess, this human anger, You know, um, she is a woman who has been avenging women, avenging women for centuries, for millennia. Right. Um, And that is somebody who you you don't you know, they kind of take that away from her and make it this joke about her past. Yeah. But it's serious. And she is serious. And so I love her in this episode. I love her desperation. I love her being stuck in the body of an 18 year old. Um, (laughs) All of it, I think, is absolutely delightful. And it it screams of such unmet potential with this character because they just they ran her over and flattened her and made her into a comedy mule. She just carries the jokes around for three seasons. And she can do so much more than that, both the actress and the character. There's so much more there that she could have been. And I'm so sad when I see this episode because I see everything that was lost you know while we kind of took a a much much flatter Anya yeah you know and and let her run for three seasons so somebody who makes that kind of flat character work is Oz <laughs> right I mean, it's well not... his affect is flat his characterization is not flat his but, character yeah, is not fantastic. but Oz, the Oz that we get, we get Crisis Oz. Yes. In Doppelgangerland. Oh my God, and he's so good. He, okay, first of all, first of all, that exchange with Devin about yes. chords is brilliant. <laughs> so funny. And yes. then Angel just like pops in looking for Buffy. Yeah. Like, you know, and they and chat. I love Angel and Oz Angel interacting because we don't we, see a lot of that. Yeah, we haven't had much Angel and Oz. Mm-hmm. And then. Then the vampires come in and Oz says, that doesn't look good. (laughs) I'm like, this is, this is Oz. This is Oz concerned. Yes. And when Angel says about the vamp, why don't I believe him? And Oz says, well, he lacks credibility. Credibility. So perfect. But then when he sees Willow vamped, right? Oh God. Yeah. And this is so like, it's so, it's played low, you know, but you can see what that does to him, you know? And then when she comes back and she gives him that little wave and the relief on his face, it is so, I mean, Seth Green plays this 
just beautifully. But the thing is, in the middle of the crisis, he doesn't fall apart. He doesn't freak no. out. He tries to talk to Willow because he doesn't understand what's going on entirely. Or he doesn't want to understand, you know, what is actually yeah. happening. Um, it's so wonderful and lovely and seeing him, you know, I mean, just a heartbroken the, the, yeah. the idea that that she would be a vampire like and unable i think in a certain level to process that it's so beautifully done and seth green brings so much to what is essentially so little he's not given a lot in this episode but he brings everything to it yeah and i love i love the exchange with angel where they're sort of hatching a plan about yeah you know what are we gonna do and angel you know Oz says, can you get out? And Angel's like, yeah, but I think they need me here. And then Willow walks in yeah. and Oz figures out what he thinks has happened. Yes. And he says, get Buffy. Do it now. Like he right. just takes, he is he takes guy control, in charge guy. And, and it's, Angel takes orders from him, yep. which I love. Yep. Oh my God. It's, it's so great. Great. It is great. It's, I mean, all around, it's a really, really excellent episode i mean down to like some real <laughs> some great little details like xander shaking the cross <laughs> at willow he holds up you know human willow walks in to the yeah. library xander jumps up with the cross holds it in her face and she just kind of looks confused at him and then he shakes it like it's a piece <laughs> of technology that you can make work by turning it off and then turning it back on again Oh, I love that moment. It's, that is such a little detail, but it's beautiful. There there are tons of wonderful little little moments like that yeah. that are just like oh, like God, Buffy's so <laughs> like Buffy's ridiculous sit-ups. <laughs> I love that it's not so much working out as like filtering yes. how pissed off she is like yes. through her body. Mm -hmm. And then of course, we didn't talk about this ridiculous like physical fitness test that the slayers uh -huh. have to do yeah. um no it's funny when mm -hmm. faith and wesley come in and he's all out of breath but right. I, it, like it really raises the question for me of like what sort of a test has the watcher keeping right. up doesn't with he get the a golf slayer? cart or something yeah. right. yeah. <laughs> like, always give him a golf just... cart that's just kind of odd. I that... think it's the Watchers Council fucking with Wesley because we know that the Watchers Council does not have any respect for whatever Watcher is given to the Slayer. As a matter of fact, I think it's the one they respect the least that they send in for that job. It does they seem that way. They want them to be ineffectual. It you know, really they, they seems that way. picked wrong with, with Giles. Giles yeah. is much, much better. But yeah, I mean, it does kind of feel like it's the, it's the ones that they don't like, the ones that they don't respect, the ones that they think they can overrun really easily that they send out to watch over the, the Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it it uh, definitely raises some questions about oh, the yeah. Watchers Council and how they run things. Yeah. Um, but something I like about the, about the physical fitness angle of all of this is you know of course Buffy knows that this this is going on she's training she's gonna go swim um because she wants to be prepared mm -hmm. you know and Willow Willow gets it you know she says you want to be better than Faith which of yeah. course is true but also it is part of what makes Buffy Buffy that she is gonna she is gonna yeah. train and yeah. then at the end when she stops herself you know, in a in a moment not dissimilar from Buffy yelling at Faith mm -hmm. to stop when she's about to stake Alan. Yeah. You know, Willow says no. 
and Buffy's able to stop. Yeah, you know, with her her super slayer reflexes and her her explanation for why she was able to do that is I work out. Yeah, she is prepared. She's yes. planning ahead. She's thinking of the future. Well, she's always than, yeah. thinking. She doesn't get mm-hmm. lost in the moment. You know, yep. she doesn't get carried away by stuff. And that takes a tremendous amount of self-control with that kind of power. You know, to yeah. be able to moderate that kind of power is is really extraordinary. And she's able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was a nice little, not quite coda to the yeah. Buffy Faith yeah. Relationship where, you know, Faith is just seat of the pants and Buffy is, <laughs> you know, we're going to, yeah. no, we're going to make a plan. We're going to, you know, do things in the order that they need to be done. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know that that was intentional, but I do like it as a little. Yeah, it is little, really nice. little insight into Buffy and her pr- and her process. Yes. <laughs> Oh, and I mean, speaking of tiny little moments that have a huge impact, yeah. Wesley scream when Cordelia oh, touches his shoulder is delightful. It I is... love Wesley so much. I can't help it. It's that's it. I mean, it's fine. Even though he's it's... also in the middle of a very gross storyline, but I, I just, I love him. <laughs> All right. So, Noelle, what are you wearing? Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. What am I wearing? I mean, I wish I were wearing head-to-toe leather, but I'm not. Right. Seriously. <laughs> Although, you know, it's easier, I think, when you don't have to breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> Willow in Vamp Willow's clothing. Yeah. Doing her little, like, her little walk and twitch where she's clearly, like, it's clearly too tight. She's clearly not comfortable. Yes. Oh, my God. Her physicality in that is so wonderful. Oh, God. So, so good. And, of course, we get we get more wonderful Willow overalls. It's Willow overalls yeah. watch season. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, I love her overalls. Um, and it's we get some good Willow sweaters. Yeah. When she's yeah. in Snyder's office with Percy. <laughs> and she says, you want us to breed? You want us to breed? <laughs> love so much. Um She's wearing this sweater that looks kind of like a hybrid of like a like a vulva with a <laughs> um like a Venus flytrap. Like it literally it looks like a vagina dentata. Like it looks like All right. You know what? I mean to me it looks like a granny square. But I, I like where you're going. I think that there's there's an interesting thing there. And of course, the vagina dentata, the dangerous woman with her sexuality, right? You know, I mean, is not a million miles away from some of the themes that we kind of address in this episode. I'm calling my vulva a granny square from now on. A granny square. <laughs> Look, Georgia O'Keeffe said they were just flowers and clearly they're not. So what I'm saying is death of the author, right? If you see, if you see Vagina Dentata, I am with you 100%. I, mean, I support that reading. I I enjoy it. And then, of course, the pink sweater yes. that gets called out mm-hmm. as so very Willow. Yes. <laughs> fuzzy. Willow's pink sweater is mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Like, it is a yeah. ridiculous sweater. I mean, to I know, my but eye, I love it. I but love I it adore so it. Much. Those daisies all around mm-hmm. it, and then it's got yes. like, it's got like patches or embroidery yes. on it. It's 
so good. And then she's, she wears it with this little floral skirt and these pink tights, light pink tights, which are the little girliest tight color. Yes. I mean, it's oh like she is dressed like a child. And mm-hmm. it is so good and yeah. so funny when Vamp Willow wakes up in Willow's clothes. This is like a nightmare. I <laughs> so know. Good. It's so great. What I love, though, is that when the Scoobies swapped clothing, they put everything of Willow's on Vamp yeah. Willow. Tights, <laughs> shoes, necklace, <laughs> all of it. Like, what did they think was going to happen? Like, why did they? What? I mean... Right. I realize I realize this is network television and we're not going to have like a naked Allison Hannigan in right. the library being cage. A naked and unconscious Allison Hannigan being dressed by what like, I hope is not, also a conscious Allison Hannigan. <laughs> right. But at the same time, I'm like, that's a lot of effort. That is a lot of effort. And it's just, I mean, and obviously it's for the, the wonderful swap. It's so that we can have, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't like, I, like that's a lot. That's a lot of de- maybe. All right. OK. Headcanon. Human Willow insisted upon it. Human Willow is concerned about the dignity of Vampire Willow. I, you know what? I would believe that. I would absolutely yeah. believe that. And I would believe that Willow would very carefully make sure that she was fully dressed you know Mm -hmm. and that she had like you know so um yeah I mean I I, I definitely I definitely believe it is part of the text but yeah sure well and that that makes sense with the willow that we know who puts up towels in the library cage for Oz for when he's all all werewolfed and she doesn't get Oz's full Monty it's very very sweet (laughs) (laughs) all right so what's your girl power moment of the week oh my gosh I I mean I can I just say the whole like the whole thing? I think I think thing. for me it's I think for me it's it's Willow advocating for her vampire self yeah, at the end. Yeah. And, you know, don't kill her. Let yeah. her go, you know, let her go to her own reality. That's where she belongs. Mm-hmm. And then and and embracing her darkness. I know. <laughs> I think it is really sweet. But I actually I really like her going into the bronze as vampire Willow. I like her taking on this task that clearly makes her uncomfortable, that is clearly pushing her outside of her comfort zone. Um, and then doing the, hey, why don't you go outside and check on him? He's been gone oh, for so a while. Cute. <laughs> so cute. It is so adorable. Oh, my she's God. It's still going to request politely, even though I she's know. supposed to be. She's so this... sweet. She's sending them to their death. But she's, <laughs> but she's so kind about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Noelle, what's your favorite part? Oh, my God. God, I can't I can't say the yeah. whole episode is my favorite part. You can say whatever is... you want. This is your well... goddamn show. You want to say the whole episode, you say the whole episode, girl. I mean, I love I, I just I love Willow's integration of her mm-hmm. her dark self. I love yeah. her hugging her dark self. I love her acknowledging at the end with Percy that even mm-hmm. if it's just in her own head that, you know, Vampire Willow did not, in fact, ruin every single thing she touched. Right. She uh, fixed up this situation. She fixed some things, right? Yeah. yeah. It's and a that, nice that, little end. That darkness is okay. You can let a little bit of that darkness live. And I think that yes. that is, is an maybe unintentional but really powerful message. It is. It's a nice message of self-acceptance, I think. Yeah. So what's your favorite part? Oh, God. When Giles, Buffy, and Xander think that Willow is dead, and then she walks in, 
and they just <laughs> oh, I mean all of that whole scene you know and they hug her and she's just like okay you all didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs did you you know um and when Giles hugs her with that same desperation that Buffy and Xander have it is so incredibly so and then of course when when Angel comes in later and has to give them the news that, that Willow is dead and then he goes hey Willow oh wait what yeah <laughs> I mean, yep. Dana Boreanaz plays that really nicely. It is so sweet. I mean, it's so heartbreaking because it's Willow, but then to, you know, play it for laughs at the same time. I, I love it. All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Dinerich and Noelle at Noelle Aloud and use the hashtag still pretty. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat and Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who are truly the best of all of us. Way better than Xander. Much much better. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by looking inside the sofa in hell. We will be back next time with Enemies, the 17th episode of season three. Until then, say, you all didn't have to do a bunch of drugs, did you? Bye.